Well, now that half the congregation just left, and we now know that Pastor Amy for sure has a thing with insects. She loves insects. Um, we just are so blessed. What a great blessing. What a great service so far. I have a very, very short time to be able to share with you what God has put on my heart. We're taking our second service in the idea of broken. And so look at Jeremiah and the church. Jeremiah and the church. And that's really sad that we have to say that because Jeremiah was rough. <laughs> it was rough. Um, and so, but there are elements of where church is, is at a place where we're going to grow. I do apologize that you're hearing my voice so much today. That's crazy. We really miss Pastor Danielle, so, you know, hit her up on Slack. She's busy right now with her, uh, with her daughter's wedding, and like, you know, whatever. Um, but, you know, just be like, at Danielle, where are you? We need your voice. Um, that would be wonderful. Let me, uh, let me pray as, as we pray that God takes our hearts and, and our minds and make us ready to hear uh, in another way what he's doing. God, we thank you that you are constantly communicating with us. And in this service, you communicate with us through, through a word of prophecy. You communicate with us through um, words of, of music. You communicate with us through words of encouragement and, and testimony and, and through stories. And now you communicate through us through your word. And so, God, all of these are valuable. All of these are things that we must have. We must hear from you. And so, God, I pray that as we shift our hearts into listening to your word and listening to what you would say, God, I pray that you would be glorified. Most of all, that's why we're here, to see you glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text today is Jeremiah chapter 7, 1 to 15, except for I think I'm just doing 7 to 15. Thank the Lord. Um, so, the word of the Lord no, no, it's, it is 1 to 15. There we go. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Stand in the gate of the Lord's house. Important. Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word. Say, hear the word of the Lord, all you men of Judah who enter the gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice one with another, and if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in the place, in the land that, that I gave to your fathers of old forever. So behold, you trusted deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, and make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods? that you have not known? And then you come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say we are delivered? Only to go on doing all these abominations? Has this house, which I called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? You remember Jesus pulling that one out? 
Behold, I myself have seen it, declares the Lord. Now go now, or sorry, go now to my place that was in Shiloh, and where I made my name dwell at first, and see what I did to it because of the evil of my people of Israel. And now, because you've done all these things, declares the Lord, when I spoke to you persistently and you didn't listen, and when I called you and you didn't answer, therefore, I will do to the house that is called by my name, in which you trust, and to the place that I gave you and your forefathers, as I did to Shiloh. And I'll cast you out of my sight, as I cast out your kinsmen, and all the offspring of Ephraim. Well, no wonder nobody likes Jeremiah. <laughs> Seriously. That's rough. That's rough. That's not really friendly, you know, people-sensitive content. That's not something you want to hear when you wake up on a Sunday morning and come to church. Right? That's not really it. I do invite you to comment on Slack and join with the conversation here. It's important. Love to hear from you. But this isn't what we really like. But we today live in the days of Jeremiah. We live in the days of Jeremiah again, where religion can often simply be a subculture or a simple fragment of your life. A simple side element that if you've got time on a Sunday, you participate in your religion, but the rest of your week is something else. The main culture we live in looks strikingly similar to the rest of the world. So, so what if they're Muslim, Roman Catholic, or atheist? We all go to the same stores. We buy the same things. We drive the same cars. We live in the same type of houses. We run our families with the same type of values. We run our bank accounts with the same type of ideas. We do all the same things. What makes a Christian distinct from the world around us? What makes us distinct? What makes it obvious that the Holy Spirit of God Almighty lives in you? What's obvious about it? What is obvious? Okay, so let's go back story of Jeremiah's life. In grade 13, studying English, I was at school, and my English teacher here on the secondary school made us read the book of Jeremiah. Nobody actually did it because that was uh, depressing, and it was a public school. But we went to class after we were given that assignment, and we got the grade 13's teacher's opinion of the book of Jeremiah. And she opened my eyes to the way that Jeremiah really was. See, Jeremiah was the guy that nobody wants to be around. He's called the weeping prophet. He's like, he is the guy that, you know, they're having a party and he shows up and he's like, everybody's like, oh no, Jeremiah's here. Party's over. Like, now we're going to hear some rant about the way the world's going to fall apart when we're clearly here just having a party. Everything is okay. And Jeremiah here is moaning about his fears of the world. What an extremist. Oh my goodness, somebody's so negative. Nobody wants to be around him. My, th my grade 13 English teacher was, was telling us that he was so miserable that he didn't even like being around himself. And she gets that from the ideas when Jeremiah was saying like, God, I don't want to say all of this stuff. Like there's this fire caught up in my bones. I don't want to be saying all of this because it's so bad, but I can't not say it. 
And so my, my, she was right. He's like, he wants to tell good news, but he can't. Every time he opens his mouth, out comes the word of the Lord, and it's not good. And he's just like, oh my goodness. So, okay, a commentary helped me on this one. He was probably pretty introspective and compassionate. And so Jeremiah sees that there's a threat coming from the north. But the problem is, that threat didn't materialize for years later. Years later, it didn't materialize. So he's going to these parties. Everybody's like, life is good and normal. And it wasn't. According to Jeremiah, everything's going to fall apart. The end of the world is near. And, and nobody's believing him. And so Jeremiah was just kind of a laughingstock. You know, in the end, Jeremiah was, uh, he was stoned by, they think he was stoned by his own people that he was speaking to. They had gone off into Egypt by the end of the book. They'd gone off to Egypt. And they were so sick of him saying the bad news that they finally killed him. They're like, stop saying bad news. We're going to kill you. So I decided it's a good idea to preach on Jeremiah. But you know what? He was talking about this threat, and he was talking about how, how Israel had fallen and Jerusalem was going to fall. And, and, and now we look at this 4,000 years after the threat. Don't worry, we don't need those tablets anyways. 4,000 years after the threat, we look, at the, we look at this, and we recognize that Israel was indeed captured, and then Judah was captured by Babylon. And get this. In the Eastern world, after that, Israel stopped being an independent state. From the time that Judah fell, Israel stopped being an independent state. They were ruled by, actually, they were ruled by the first, the Egyptians. Then Israel was conquered by the Assyrians. And then Assyria was conquered by the Babylonians and the Medes. Babylon was conquered by the Greeks. The Romans conquered Greece. The Roman Empire split, and Israel was then under the control of the Byzantine Empire. After that, the Ottoman Empire took over. The Ottoman Empire controlled Israel until the British Empire took over. Until World War II, when after World War II, Israel was once again in 1948 declared an independent nation. Guys, 3,000 years. So while Jeremiah is telling this horrible story, nobody understood that the horrible story that he was telling was going to last 3,000 years. It's huge. So there was a huge threat to Israel. A massive threat to Judah. And they had their security. So what brings security to these people? Well, I talked about it a little bit last week. I'm not going to go into it deeply. But God had already rescued Jerusalem from a siege of the Assyrian king. And so God could clearly just rescue them from Babylon again. It'd be no problem. God could just make the Babylonian army go away and there's going to be no issue. And, you know, that's what God does. Because why? Because the temple of the Lord was there. In this house, the temple of the Lord is there. So God's never going to let his temple fall. He's never going to let his church fail. 
Whoa. Do not trust in these deceptive words, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. People thought in Jeremiah's day that the temple of the Lord would guarantee security. People in today's day think the church, them being part of the church, will guarantee security. They'd concluded that God protected Judah and Jerusalem because of the temple. The people have reduced their God to being the worship practices done at the temple. This is what Jeremiah is calling out. They go to the temple and they're praying and they're doing their sacrifices and they're doing it by rote and they believe that in that action, that is what magically protects them from the threat outside. If we just do this, and in that they've reduced their God to simply being their act of worship. I go do this, and now I'm going to be safe. I go do that, and now I'm going to be safe. They have placed their security in God's saving action, but they distorted what God wanted to do. See, God's never been looking for a physical temple. He's never been looking for a church built in the 1800s. He's never been looking for having monumental space on land. God's looking for his people called by his name, participating together to bring glory to him and to bring out what God is doing. God is looking for people who love him for who he is and not just what he does. So let us not be deceived today with where we get our security from. Someone says on Slack that Jeremiah was unafraid to say the truth even when it wasn't popular. I don't know if he wasn't afraid, but he definitely did say the truth. So where do we get our security from? In such an insecure age, where do you get your security from? Where do you get your sense of, of uh, groundedness? See, a lot of us get it from the exact same things that the rest of the world does. My job security, my pension, my property value, my family relationships. And then some of us, okay, we get our security from something a step further. We get it from, I go to church. I'm part of a church community. I worship Jesus. I, I raise my hands. Pastor Devin taught me that. And we get our church community, and we get that sense, and we like, that's where our security comes from. And we simply can say, well, nothing bad is going to happen to me because I just go to church, and I love Jesus, and so nothing bad should happen. Or because, you know, we go to church two times a month, we're, we're committed to Jesus, and we live with zero distinctions in the rest of our life. And so Jeremiah is touching on this. See, the issue is the people of Judah trusted the external temple worship rituals were the trick to ensuring their future. And today, people can trust that attending and engaging and giving to the church is the way that they engage their future, the, the organization of the church. 
And the caution that Jeremiah brings us today is you're trusting in deceptive words. Your security is not found in religious practices alone. God wants to grow himself and his work in you and in us. God is at work changing you and me. God is the one who is shaping us into the image of his son. See, your religion cannot be an addition to your life. It cannot be an addition to your life. Matthew 23, 15 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice the child of hell as yourselves. Thank you, Jesus. I thought you were meek. But he wasn't. He's saying when we perpetuate religious security, we miss God's heart. We miss his heart when your religion attempts to transform people from outside pressures. Be at church like this time, and do this, and look like that, and be like this. When we try to push it on people as though that's going to somehow change their heart, we miss the transforming action of God who actually starts to work inside of us. God transforms us from the inside outward. See, you'll notice, you'll notice actually in the text, it's not in my notes, so I'm just going to flip it up. You'll notice that in the text, it says that then, if you do all these things, then I will let you live here. You'll still get your temple. You'll still get your worship. You'll still get everything. But then you will be able to be here when you allow God to transform all of you. God's looking for people who love him for who he is, not just what he does. And so today, people trust that, oh, they could just get by. And God is saying, no, no. So we need to be fully transformed. We need to be fully transformed. For Jerusalem, it meant that they had to do better at social justice. For us, I believe that we have to be fully transformed. We cannot place our security in our own corporate religious practices. We can't follow the same God as the world and Jesus. We need Jesus to transform us thoroughly. We must rely on God's work by the Holy Spirit, shaping us as a community, shaping me as a person. That's what we're relying on. And he changes elements of our life. The last bit of the text quickly says, now go to the place that was in Shiloh, the name I made my, or where I made my name dwell at first, and see what I did to it because of the evil of my people Israel. And because you've done all these things, and you didn't listen, I'm going to do to you what I did to them. And then when the religious practices are just reduced to just outward expressions, I have to go to church. I have to do this. I have to act like that. And they aren't heart reflections. We must go back to God and say, God, change my heart. 
affect me. Because if we don't, we're called to consider Shiloh, which God destroyed. We're called to consider Jerusalem, which God had destroyed. We're called to consider Jerusalem a second time, which God had destroyed. And we come back to the place that God calls us. Check my heart, God. David says in Psalm 139, Search me and know me. See if there's any evil way within me. Genuinely. See if there's anything within me. So Jesus, today we come humbly, even with the loaded term of repentant. We come and we say, we don't want to be people who serve two masters. We don't want to be doing the exact same things of the world and just adding on religion. What we have always sought, what your Holy Spirit is working inside of us, we ask that you would continue to work inside of us, and that is purify my heart, Lord Jesus. Restore in me a clean spirit. Take not your spirit away from me. And restore to me the joy of my salvation. Do the inner work in us, Jesus, so that we will be people that represent your name. And God, let us not be duplistic about it. Thank you so much, Jesus, for your word. God bless this congregation. In Jesus' name, amen.